0: But I want you to turn your Bible tonight to the book of Luke in chapter number 8, Luke in chapter number 8, and I'm going to read you three verses that are jam-packed with content tonight. And I'm going to do my best, now some of you are not going to believe me, but tonight will probably be my shortest sermon in 39 years of preaching But the introduction's what's going to kill us, amen. (laughs) So y'all hang with me, and it'll take me a while to get to what I finally want to say, but I can say it in about one minute. But I want you to look in Luke chapter number 8 tonight. And again, Anna, I appreciate your labor uh, in the piano. I'm so happy for how the Lord has blessed her, and I'm not trying to embarrass her. It just thrills me to see young people coming on. The greatest laborers we'll ever produce in our churches are what I call homegrown. That is coming up right in the house of the Lord. I want you to look in Luke chapter number 8, and I want to read three verses, and you'll miss most of this if you speed-read your Bible. So can I encourage you, let's start reading our Bibles more slowly, okay? The Bible says in verse 1, and it came to pass afterward that He went throughout, that's talking about Jesus, that He went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with Him. And certain women, notice, certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, notice, which ministered unto him, of their substance. Notice that. Which ministered unto Him, that's Jesus, of their substance. Father, I'm so grateful to be in the house of the Lord. The singing has blessed my heart tonight. The music and Lord, the anticipation I sense in this meeting. And Lord, that is so important. Father, You really helped us this morning. All we can do is just step back and give you all the glory. And Father, tonight here we are again, needy people, knowing without you we can do nothing. Lord, without you we may as well go home now. Help us here a little while, I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. If you wonder what in the world do I see in these three verses... I'll tell you what I see. I see the journey of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see the traveling Jesus. In verse number 1, He's going throughout every city and village. That's what He did. And as He went to these different cities and different villages, the Bible said He was preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That's what he did as he traveled. Notice that word preaching. The Bible said he went throughout every city and village preaching. I'm trying to encourage the churches, Brother Jimmy, as I run these roads for God. There are certain words in the Bible we do not need to do away with, and one of those words is preaching. It's almost become an ugly word. I've even heard some say the P word, preaching. But I want you to know that preaching's what Jesus did, and God honors preaching. How many times have we heard preaching? Uh, the term preach or preaching in a negative context, and someone say, well, don't preach to me. Well, you see, they're putting it in a negative context. I want to testify tonight that I am what I am tonight because of straight Bible preaching that has brought me to where I am. I got saved under preaching. I've grown in grace through these years by preaching And thank God for every preacher that opens this book and preaches what thus saith the Lord. If you know what a preacher is, it means a herald, a public crier. You see, the herald is not responsible for what the news is. He's responsible for getting the news out. I can't help what the news is But my job is to tell you what thus saith the Lord. Well, I'll preach there all night. But look on in verse 1. He was not only preaching, do you see it crystal clear? And showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, that showing, Brother Mike, is this idea that he's putting on display what he's been preaching. The old timers used to say this, he lived what he preached. And friends, if there's ever been a time, we need the men that stand where I'm standing tonight to live what they're preaching. My, we got so much hypocrisy, so much phony baloney, so much make-believe in the pulpit, Friends, all we need is some men God called, God sent, that live and endeavor to try to be what they're preaching and be consistent and to be found faithful. Now you see, men of God today may never be successful in the eyes of the world, but that's not what's important. Being successful in of the Lord is what counts and is what matters. A lot of folks won't like a real preacher, but that's not important. What's important is what God says and what God thinks. And can I encourage every preacher in this room Your goal is not to be accepted of the world, but your goal should be to be accepted of God and to be found faithful in the things of God. Verse 1, he's preaching and he's living what he's preaching. Do you see that crystal clear from the Bible? Now, Here's something you'll miss if you're not careful. The Bible said he was preaching. He was showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with Him. Let's do some math. Jesus is one. Add twelve adult men to that. What have you got? Thirteen. Thirteen grown traveling men. Imagine Brother Jimmy Woods calls me right before this meeting just to reconfirm to make sure everything's on go to be sure I don't need anything beyond Powerade zeros, amen. And I said, oh, Brother Jimmy, I forgot to tell you, I'll have 13 of us. It'll be 12 more adult men besides me. They'll all be hungry, and they'll all need somewhere to stay. How many of you can hear Brother Jimmy's phone fall to the floor? Well, that's what you got when you got Jesus. You got 13 grown men traveling, needing lodging, and needing food. Well, look in verse number 2. We're introduced to some more people in these short verses. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Now the women are named, three of them, do you see it? Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Second one mentioned, verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. The third one in verse 3, and Susanna. And then many others, we don't know their names. But notice what these women did. These women took on the responsibility of footing the tab for 13 traveling men. That's not something I'm making up. That's what your Bible said. These women, three by name, others unnamed, ministered unto Jesus in this journey of His preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now tonight, I want to look for just a few minutes at these three women. Let me say this about your Bible. If God puts a name, if God puts a place, if God puts a phrase, a sentence, a word, a period, any type of punctuation or capitalization, you can always rest assured that God never puts nothing in this Bible that's not important. And if God said it, there's a reason that He said it. And there's a reason that He listed these three women. Because these three women are going to bring us some lessons tonight that can help this church like never before. I'd like to entitle this little sermon tonight on lessons, or ministry lessons, from an unlikely trio. Ministry lessons from an unlikely trio. Do you notice these three women, all of them had something in common? Do you notice in verse 2, certain women... It didn't say which had been raised in Sunday school and church and kept the golden rule and all they knew was church attendance and Sunday school perfection. No, it don't say nothing like that. Look at these women how unlikely they are to have been champions for Christ. The Bible said certain women which had been healed of evil spirits. Now, evil spirit speaks of demonic possession. Some folks don't believe that people can be possessed with devils. But you read your Bible, you're going to see a bunch of devil-possessed people. You walk through this society, you're going to meet devil-possessed people. People that's got demons living inside them. You say, Preacher, that scares me. Well, it don't scare me because I got somebody living in me that don't let demons come in, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible said they'd been healed of evil spirits, those were demonic spirits that continued taking them downward in sin. Young people and adults, will you hear me for a minute tonight? Sin is like a snowball effect. You don't just stop it where you want to stop it. When it starts moving, momentum cannot be stopped by man. The only thing that can stop this downward pull is the power of the Spirit of God. Well, these women knew what it was like to have devils living inside them. Y'all getting quiet on me right there. But these women, before they got saved, they had devils living inside them that were taking them further and further down in the pit and headed toward hell. And then the Bible said, they were not only healed of evil spirits, verse 2, but they were healed of infirmities. Now, the word infirmities here speaks of physical afflictions that come as a result of sin. Do you know the devil don't tell nobody that sin will make you sick? Now, we all get sick. We all know what it's like to be sick. We know that man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So we're all going to get sick. But none of us should want to get sick because of sin. Sin will make you sick. The devil don't tell you that. These women were suffering physically in their bodies because of sin. How many of us remember some handsome young man strong and well-bodied but he got on drugs and he got on alcohol. And he got in sin. And he got in immorality. And Satan robbed him of his strength. And robbed him of his health. And robbed him of his youthful beauty. How many young women can we think of the very same way? A picture of health. A picture of a promising life. But her fall of sin and Satan... Satan, robber her of her beauty. robber her of her health. Rob her of her strength. You see, friends, that's what sin will do. Can I tell you three things sin will do, young person, that you're not going to hear on social media, that you're not going to hear from the news outlets of today? Sin will make you sick. You just write that down. Sin will make you sick. Number two, sin will make you ugly. I've seen beautiful young women, handsome young men. Now their teeth are rotting out of their heads. They look like skeletons with skin wrapped around it. That's what sin will do for you, young person. Sin will make you sick. Sin will make you ugly. And sin will make you old before your time. I don't mind getting old. But I don't want to get old because of sin. I don't want to get old before my time. God let me celebrate 60 years on this earth. But I know people that's 40 that look older than me. And it's all because of sin. Sin will make you sick. Sin will make you ugly. And sin will make you old before your time. Well, I'm trying to get you to see what these three women, what this trio had in common. All these women, before they got saved, sin was making them sick. Sin was making them ugly. And sin was making them old before their time. But that's not the end of this story. One day these three gals met the Master. They met the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Guess what Jesus did for them? He got the devils out of them. He washed away their sins. Thank God He restored their health. He restored their beauty. And that's what Jesus can do. Now friend, if you don't believe in miracles, I can't help you tonight. This is for believers only. I believe God can take a demon-possessed girl. Her life is wrecked and ruined. She's sick. She's ugly. And she's getting old before time. Let Jesus get a hold of her life. And Jesus can reverse all that that Satan has done to her. There's three women mentioned by name. He did not have to mention their names. If you'll read it, he could have just said, and many women. But he chose to give three of the women's names. The others are unnamed. For a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to you about these three women. I want to show you some ministry lessons for Reidsville Free Will Baptist Church from a very unlikely trio. Number one tonight, look at the first one. She's most known of the three. Her name, Mary Magdalene. Magdalene speaks of where she was from, the city of Magdala, a place of every evil and vice and wickedness under the sun. If you've ever met a girl who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, it was Mary Magdalene. She never had a mama to teach her the B-I-B-L-E or John 3.16 she knew nothing about god knew nothing about church she's getting ready to go straight to hell her life is wrecked and ruined and the bible even says of mary that she not only was demon possessed but she had seven demons living inside her can you imagine a precious little girl growing up in macdella and because of her associations now she's got seven devils living inside of her. Well, that, that got fixed when she met the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad God can get one devil out of you. God can get seven devils out of you. With the Gadarean maniac, God got thousands of devils out of him. If you're here tonight and you're possessed by devils, I can't get them out of you. Others in this room can't get them out of you. But I'm telling you, I know somebody who can. I highly recommend him. I've seen him get devils out of people. I've seen him break the bonds of drug addiction. I've seen him break the bonds of alcohol addiction. I've seen him break the bonds of perversion and fornication and adultery. Only Jesus Christ can do that. we got every reform program under the sun. But these things are not working. I'll tell you what works. Deliverance by the power of God. Glory to His name. I'm still on the introduction, so some of you is wondering, I know. But her name was Mary. Isn't that a beautiful name? Mary. A beautiful name given to a girl who looks like she don't have a hope one in this world. You say, why is it such a beautiful name? Well, that was Jesus' mama's name. It's several wonderful Marys in the New Testament. We might have a Mary in this room tonight. But if you don't know what her name means, you may be surprised when I tell you what it means to be named Mary. Mary's name means this. Are you ready for it? Surrounded by bitter people. Her name means their bitterness, not mine. You see, Mary Magdalene grew up without a hope in this world. She met the Lord. The Lord saved her. Got them demons out of her. But Mary found out being saved that she sure enough interrupted Satan's work and invited him into her life in a different way. If you think you're going to serve God without the devil fighting you, if you think you're going to serve God and the devil's going to roll over and play dead, Friends, you've got another thought coming. You see, when this girl got saved, God got the demons out of her, she found out now she's surrounded by bitter people. Who could be bitter against a girl who didn't have a hope one, and now she's got hope and a life worth living? If you still have your Bible open, this won't take long, but look in chapter 7. And I want to show you Mary Magdalene showing up at a meal. Already I know Mary Magdalene had to been Baptist because, man, she's getting in line to head for that food. Say amen. But the Bible says in verse 37 that Simon the Pharisee was putting on a spread and people came because Jesus was going to be there. Well, Mary Magdalene came to the food but she didn't bring green beans, didn't bring mashed potatoes and gravy, she didn't bring cathead biscuits or fried chicken or meatloaf. I'm losing y'all. I can feel it. I'm losing y'all. She didn't bring none of that. You know what she brought? She brought an alabaster box full of precious ointment, a jar that looked like it was solid white granite or solid white marble, And the only way to get the content out of that jar, out of that box, it was like a piggy bank. It had to be broken to get the content out. Well, here comes Mary Magdalene with an alabaster box full of ointment. Judas, if you'll study the text, told us it was valued at 300 pence. That would be about $50,000 in our economy today. So here comes a little lady with a $50,000 gift. She breaks, boy, got quiet right there. Tithing, oh my, she'd have to backslide a long way uh, to get to tithing. Say amen. And some people think they did a great service when they tithe. I'm messing up this good sermon, aren't I? Amen. But here she comes with this expensive gift. She breaks it open. She anoints the body of Jesus. And I want you to notice what God said about Mary. Verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Do you see that? What tense is that? Was a sinner. If that's not past, I don't know what is. You know, all that matters, church, is what God thinks about your sin. And if God looks at you as a past tense sinner, that's the way that it ought to be. And that's what's going to count. God said this woman was a sinner. And then would you look with me in verse 39, the old Pharisee got mad. Is that not who gets mad at our churches when we bring out giving and give sacrificially? and give beyond the tithe, give beyond the offering, that Pharisaical crowd. Look what He said about her in verse number 39. Now what God says is what counts, but I want you to see what the Pharisees said. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden Him, saw it, He spake within Himself. He's mumbling under His breath there, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. Are you all ready? Do you see it? For she is a sinner. Now look what the Pharisee said. She is a sinner. But look what God said. She was a sinner. Now friend, I'm going to tell you tonight, there's people in this world that will never forgive you they'll never let you live down your past but they can call you a sinner all day long yeah. but what counts is what god said yeah. she might have been surrounded by bitter people but she was determined i'm not going to let their bitterness make me bitter against god and friends i'm going to tell you something one of the great battles you'll have in a good church with a good pra- a good pastor a good congregation is there will be things that will arise that will cause conflicts of interest, personality conflicts. Go ahead and get quiet. It don't matter to me. But I'm here to tell you, you've got to get beyond personality conflicts. You've got to learn to be forgiving whether they ever ask you to forgive you or not. Don't let other people's bitterness cause you to be bitter by the grace of God you be like Mary when you're surrounded by bitter people just keep pouring on the ointment just keep breaking the box just keep worshipping the Lord had Mary let the Pharisee affect her she would have never become what she did because bitterness friend will shut you and I down right in our tracks. You know, bitterness is an unusual sin. As I study the Bible, I only find one sin in the Bible that has a root to it. And that's the root of bitterness. I can carry a Bible and be bitter. I can smile at you and be bitter. I can act like I love you, but just hate every one of you. That's what bitterness can do. See, bitterness is something on the inside. And friends, I'm determined. Life is too short to let the bitterness of other people shut me down in my tracks. Bitterness will cause you to never be everything you ought to be for the glory of God. Well, she is surrounded by bitter people. She's surrounded by a bitter Pharisee. Can I give you another one? real fast? Don't seem like y'all in no hurry. I thought we'd start at 6:30, but we're running well tonight. Amen. Now if we was in California, it wouldn't be before o'clock. Man, we're doing real good, say amen. But you know something else, Judas Iscariot, we know he was a thief. We know he was an imposter. but he got mad at Mary. He got mad and said this was a waste. This was a waste. God said he didn't care. He was a thief from the beginning. And guess what the old thief did? He persuaded a bunch of cold-hearted disciples to agree with him. So now she has a Pharisee, she has an imposter, and a bunch of cold-hearted disciples that are trying to stop her in what she's doing. Now Mary could have done this and said, hey, I'm done feeding y'all. I'm done paying your bill. I'm done putting y'all up in your travel. But no, she just kept pouring on the ointment. Woo! She just kept making things happen. God, give us some saints in this room that can learn a valuable lesson from a precious little woman that saved by the grace of God, don't let the bitterness of other people make you bitter. Amen. You say, well, preacher, somebody did me wrong. I can start back yonder with Brother Reed and I can go all the way to me and all the way back to this teenage girl on the back row. Everybody here has got something to be bitter about everybody here's been mistreated everybody here's been done wrong but we do well to learn from Mary when people are surrounding us that's bitter let's just keep pouring on the oil let's just keep worshipping the Savior and don't let other people's bitterness make us bitter unforgiveness people can't get along people split churches and go from church to church It's really sad, the pitiful shape that we've gotten ourselves into. We need to remember something tonight. There's no competition in this room. There's no competition here. How many buses we got now? One? That's one way not to have no competition. Just have one. But I've seen churches when they got the second bus and the third bus, people started competing. We're not competing. We're on the same team. If one bus has a bus load and the other only has two or three, everybody wins because we're on the same team. If somebody gets up and sings a song and somebody else gets up and sings a song, there's no competition. We're on the same team. And God help us tonight to act more like we're on the same team. What if the average professional ball team operated like the average church. Friends, they'd never win again. But you see, they've learned teamwork is the way to win. They don't care who makes the goal. They don't care who makes the point. All they care is the point is made. And the goal is made. God give us that mentality at the house of God. Why are we getting so quiet tonight? i tell you why. Because somehow we think we deserve to hold bitterness, unforgiveness, malice, envy, strife and division in our lives. We're not supposed to hold that mess. We're supposed to get past that mess and be like Mary. You know, we've all heard the story of the poor man who got stranded on a deserted island. And he was there for years. Nobody found him. He's all by himself. He don't have a friend, one. And finally one day, a rescue ship came. Boy, he's so happy. He's been there for all these years. And they said, sir, we've come to rescue you. After all these years, we finally found you. He said, well, I'm so glad to see you. But I've been here a long time. I'd like to show you some things I've been doing since I've been here all these years. They said, sure, man, we're glad to see. And he carried them down a path. And down that path was a house. He said, this is my house. I built this house with my own hands. And this is where I've been living. They said, man, that's fantastic. He said, let me show you something else I built. And he went down another path And there's a church building. He said, I built this church. This is where I go to church and worship the Lord. And as they're headed to the rescue ship, they see another path and another building. But he ignores that path. He ignores that building. They said, hey, sir, wait a minute. What's this building about? He said, oh, don't pay that no attention. That's where I used to go to church. He can't even get along with himself. Say amen right there. Well, I'm here to tell you that ought not be the case at the house of God. Well, I gotta move. But tonight, our song that Miss Sheila sang for us fits this sermon. I mean, I mean right on target. Here in Luke chapter 8, there's another lady mentioned. I want you to look at her, her name. Do you see it in verse 2? Joanna. Joanna's not as well known as Mary, but she had the same problems. Demon possessed. Her life was in a spiral downhill. She'll soon be in hell. But Jesus interrupted that sinful lifestyle. Saved her by grace. Made a great Christian out of Joanna. Are you ready for her name? Her name means this, Sheila. God has been so good to me. And I'm going to tell you, friends, if we had more people like Mary that could roll in the house of God unaffected by bitter people and then people roll in the house of God like Joanna, all she can think about is God has been so good to me. Jehovah is a gracious giver. That's what her name means. I don't know about y'all, but I'm learning some things from these two gals. I don't want to let other people's bitterness cause me to be bitter. And I don't want to ever be unthankful for the good things that God has blessed me with. Something that God really brought me under conviction about the other day. If something I read or hear really resonates with me, I normally write it down. But this was so heavy that, Brother H.C., I didn't even write it down because God printed it on my heart and I didn't even have to write it down. Here's what the statement was. Are you all ready for this? Somewhere, somewhere, there's a great Christian somewhere who's praying sincerely for something that we off take for granted every single day. And friends, God got a hold to me with that. And I try to early in the morning when I'm meeting with God like I do, like I have for a long, long time. I've tried to insert this. Brother Jimmy, I try to list just me and God talking, just me and God. I try to list five things that I've off take for granted. That some Christian somewhere would like to have, folks. We got a lot that we take for granted, and I'm so thankful and so blessed. I have a have a dear uh, widow friend in another state. Her husband, about the same age as me, healthy UPS driver, athletic, strong, rock solid layman in a church the kind of man you'd like to have to be a member here at this church. He got COVID when I did. But in three weeks' time, this healthy man, he couldn't overcome it. It got in his lungs in such a way that it killed him. And now his wife is alone. And you know, she prayed hard for her, her, her husband, just like my wife prayed hard for me. God let me live. God took him on. We don't know God's reasons for the things He does. But we've all got something to be thankful for. If you'll look around, you can find somebody who's in worse shape than you are. And we've got a lot to be thankful for. What would it do to our revival if everybody walked in like Mary? If everybody walked in like Joanna? Let me give you this last one. Now she's only mentioned one time in the Bible, but let's don't look down on her too much because how many times are you in the Bible? Well, she's in the Bible one time. Her name is Susanna. Same problem. Demon possessed, life wrecked, physical health gone. She'll be in hell soon without deliverance, but God saved her. Made a great Christian out of her. Are y'all ready for her name? It means a white lily, which speaks of moral purity. If there's anything Susanna did not represent before salvation, it was moral purity. You know, in a funeral setting, the most known flower at a funeral is the lily. The lily has somehow the ability with its fragrance, with its beauty, to kind of cheer things up in a gloomy situation. Wouldn't it be good if we could be like Susanna and we, we, when we walk into a church service not knowing what people might be going through. Not knowing the great battles people are going through. But wouldn't you like to be a lily in someone's valley? Wouldn't you like to bring cheer and hope and a happy outlook. You see, Jesus is referred to as the Rose of Sharon. But He's also referred to as the Lily of the Valleys. And you know what we need at church? We need some Susannas. Just their presence brings a happy spirit. There's a sweet little widow lady that I pray for who's 91 years old. She came up to me the other day in a meeting And she said, Brother Don, I don't know why the Lord's left me here all these years. I said, let me stop you right there, sister. I know why. Because you're like a lily. When you walk up all your years of faithfulness, all your years of dedication, all your years of loyalty, it's a blessing to me and it's a blessing to those around you. But you know as well as I do, some people when they come, they got the spirit of a pit bulldog. Say amen. That's exactly right. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be the kind of person that when they see me coming, they cross the street (laughs) and say, I want to be like Susanna. And when people see me coming, when people see us coming, let's bring some cheer. Let's bring some hope. Let's bring some encouragement. Well, I've took 42 minutes giving you the introduction. Are you ready for the sermon? Some of you just about passed out when I said that. I'm I'm serious now. I'm getting ready to give you the lessons. What could I learn from girls like this? I grew up with a Bible in my hand all my life. What could I learn from them? I'll tell you what I could learn from them. Number one, I can learn, and ladies, you'll appreciate this, you don't have to be a man to do something great for God. You don't have to be a man to do something great for God. Number two, you do not have to be a preacher to do something great for God. Number three, you don't have to be well-known to do something great for God. And I saved the best for last. You do not have to have an unspotted past to do something great for God. Aren't you glad that God can take care of all that past? So I told you the truth. My sermon was less than a minute, but that introduction was a little long.